You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data app. Well, today I want to start with PFF. I want to look at some of the stats and kind of take a step back and see where are we at right now. Because, I mean, I, know, I think we know the answer, but I don't know if we necessarily understand the, the gravity of the situation. In fact, let me just start with this. That way I get to close the tab, which is always one of my favorite things. Um, this is from Kevin Cole over at Unexpected Points. He has got a YouTube. I've mentioned him a couple times, big on advanced analytics or whatever, but he's got a week six NFL power rankings. First thing that starts off here, it looks at opponent scoring rate and offensive scoring rate. And the Packers have fallen into probably like the second lowest tier based on how this, this graph is. This is a team that was... You know, when they used to do these charts, you'd see them in like the second highest tier up there with the playoff contenders. Now they're probably in the second. You got like the Patriots are probably the lowest. Then you've got like Giants, Washington, Denver. And then the Packers are in a big cluster with the Carolina Panthers, the Bengals, the Falcons, the Bears, the Titans, the Jaguars, the Jets, all those guys. Then you've got the overall power rating. Power rating estimates point differential against the league average team on a neutral field. He has the Packers currently rated 26th, Cardinals, Bears, Panthers, Broncos, Patriots, Giants, and then Packers. He goes on to say the big takeaway from the power rating numbers is that there's barely any material difference between teams in the 19 to 32 range. In other words, from 19 to 30, well, I mean, 32 is kind of a big jump, but really from 19 to 32, it's all about the same level of bad. If you look at PFF overall, Green Bay has fallen to 16th. With a 73.2 grade. The positives right now pass blocking, 75. Running, 72.4. Defense overall, 72.6. Tackling, 74.7. Coverage, 78.6. Those are the only positives. The biggest negative right now is run blocking, 51.1. Everything else is in the 60s. But remember, a lot of this, you know, you're like, well, how could pass blocking be so good? Because again, it, through the first three weeks, they were maybe the best pass-blocking team in football. So there, there's still going to be residuals. It's the same reason why Jordan Love is still going to have relatively positive like EPA on the season because of what he did the first two weeks. Offensively, right now, Green Bay ranks 25th via PS, PFF, passing 22nd, pass-blocking 4th, receiving 25th, um, running is 15th, Run blocking is 27th, defense overall is 13th, run defense 15th, tackling is 4th, pass rush 24th, coverage 8th, and then on special teams the Packers rank 22nd. But all right, let's go through it. Start with special teams because that's, you know, good stuff. We had Yash Nyman with a 92.5, obviously for his blocked field goal. Um, the other really solid grade was Jonathan Owens. So good to see he's contributing. Tucker Craft also relatively high at a 70. Nobody with a terrible grade. Uh, the two low ones would be Josiah DeGuara, 52, and Carrington Valentine, 51. So not a horrible special teams performance, not necessarily an elite performance, just fine, I guess. 
Obviously, Andres Carlson did what he needed to do, uh, 100% for extra points, 100% for his field goals. He is now one of just 10 kickers that has 100% on field goals and extra points. It's probably all that's interesting there. Um, looking at the offense as a whole, we had four guys with positive grades, which given the last few weeks is actually not terrible. Dontavian Wicks with a 71.3, A.J. Dillon with a 73, Josiah DeGuara with a 78, you love to see it, and Ben Sims. The frustrating part about this is the fact that at least two of these three are not something you would expect to uh, continue, but hey, I will take it. On the negative side, if we're looking at sub-60, it's almost everybody else. There were very few mediocre grades, which usually there are. Elton Jenkins, 59. John Runyon, 58. Samori Ture, 57. Luke Musgrave, 55. Jordan Love, 53. Jaden Reed, 52. Romeo Dobbs, 51. Rasheed Walker, 47. And Tucker Craft with a 36. Uh, getting into the grades here, Jordan Love had a 53 grade, 47 passing grade, 75 rushing grade, 53.3% um, completion. So again, it just it's not getting better. 182 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, one big-time throw, two turnover-worthy plays at 5.7%. I'm guessing the second one, they're not calling a turnover-worthy play, although, again, it was obviously still a bad throw. Just a 32.2 passer rating. Uh, right now, Jordan Love uh, ranks 26th out of 34 quarterbacks, ahead of just Mac Jones, Daniel Jones, Anthony Richardson, Zach Wilson, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, and Bryce Young. He has a 61 passing grade. The other thing that sort of bothers me about Jordan Love, people are saying, well, he has he's allowed to have one bad game. He hasn't had a good game. His passing grades so far this season are 59, 65, 62, 67, and 47. Yeah, he, he had one really, 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 really awful, horrific game on the back of some bad to mediocre games. Not one. Not one good game. Well, he had two, three touchdown games. I, I Listen, I understand that, but they were also very fluky. He had 14 passes and three of them were touchdowns. That's never going to be sustainable. He started off with six touchdowns and zero interceptions. He is now at eight touchdowns and six interceptions. He has two touchdowns and th six interceptions in the last three games. He is dead last in completion percentage at 55.6%. Andy Dalton is ahead of him at 57.6%. He is 15th in yards. Uh, 22nd in yards per attempt, 9th in touchdowns, and uh, let's see here, we've got doot-doot-doot-doot-doot-doot-doot, 30th um, in interceptions, the only one that's worse is Jimmy Garoppolo with 7. Big-time throw percentage, he ranks 16th, turnover-worthy plays, 15th, average depth of target is still number 1, which I'm not seeing as a positive anymore. Adjusted completion percentage, which d discounts all the drops and throwaways. He's still dead last ahead of Kenny Pickett, 63.6. Kenny Pickett, 65.8. NFL passer rating, he ranks 29th out of 34. If you look at pressure, I talked about this yesterday. Um, he had a 59 grade with no pressure. 13 of 22, 164, zero touchdowns, two picks. While under pressure, he had a 31 PFF grade, three of eight for 18 yards and a pick. When you look at the depth of the passes, he was one of five on deep passes for 77 yards and a pick. On intermediate passes, 10 to 19 yards, he was one of three for 10 yards and two picks. So three attempts and two of them were picked off. Short passes, seven of 11 
uh, for 52 yards, and then behind the line of scrimmage, 7 of 9 for 43 yards. And that was the totality of all of it. If you look at play action compared to no play action, he had a 50.2 grade with no uh, with play action and a 49.2 with no play action. If you look at screen versus no screen, 52.8 grade with screen passes, 48 with no screens. So there aren't a ton of positive angles here. And again, passes that were beyond nine yards. He was two of eight with three interceptions. He had more interceptions than completions on passes beyond nine yards. Looking at the receivers, um, as far as receiving grades, Sims and DeGuara are the only two with Dentavian Wicks with a 69.7. Unfortunately, the three guys that had high grades ran three routes, five routes, and six routes. So that's 14 combined between Wicks, DeGuara, and Sims. Everybody that ran significant routes beyond that, 29 for Watson, Patrick Taylor had 17, Luke Musgrave had 24, Dylan had 12, Reed had 20, Romeo Dobbs 33. Um, they were all well below that. Watson is the only one that had an average grade of 62, otherwise 55, 54, 53, 52, and 51 all the way down the line. Christian Watson is the only one that had even remotely closer over to 50 yards, uh, largely because of his one big play of 77 yards. He had three receptions on seven targets for 91 yards. Otherwise, the next best was Luke Musgrave, who was six of seven for 34 yards, still had just a 54 receiving grade on the day. Running the ball, again, Jordan Love graded out well, um, 37 rushing yards including a 26-yard scamper. Otherwise, A.J. Dillon had a 73, his best of the year, obviously. He was given 20 attempts for 76 yards, 3.8 yards per attempt, and a touchdown. Obviously, 3.8 yards per attempt is not massively impressive, but it is what it is. He managed two missed tackles. 11 yards was his longest run, just one carry over 10 yards. Then Patrick Taylor, two carries, two attempts, two yards, one yard per attempt. Christian Watson, one attempt for negative five yards. Packers had like 3.2 yards per attempt, um, not including Jordan Love. Then looking at blocking, uh, this is where obviously a lot of the attention has been, and for pretty good reason. Rasheed Walker did have a 72 pass blocking grade, which is solid, but a 34 run blocking grade, and he gave up four pressures on the game. Elton Jenkins, 59 overall, had a 58.9 run blocking grade, 55.5 pass blocking grade, gave up three hurries at center. Uh, Josh Myers had a 77.4 pass blocking grade and a 60.7 run blocking grade. This is exactly the performance I've been asking for for Josh Myers all year. He did give up two pressures, which is still too many. But, um, you know, again, they gave him a 77 grade. That may have to do with, you know, holding onto the ball too long or, or something else. Who knows? But, you know, again, this is this is what you want from Josh Myers. And then um, from John Runyon, 87.4 pass blocking grade, no sacks, hits, or hurries given up, which is great. Unfortunately, he counteracted that with a 47 run blocking grade, which obviously is pretty putrid. Then Zach Tom, um, nothing was bad, but nothing was good. 61.5 pass blocking grade, 66 run blocking grade, and also gave up four pressures. That's 10 pressures in the last two weeks. That's wildly unacceptable. I don't care who you're going up against. So obviously not good enough. Um, on top of that, Ben Sims was the only other guy that gave up one pressure, which gave him a 26.6 pass blocking grade. I think some of these other tight ends were given some leeway because they were asked to do a lot of stuff and did nothing. And then, you know, the offensive lineman looked like got some of the blame. 
But there you go. Um, and then as far as run blocking, Ben Sims is the only one that had a good run blocking grade, and he only had five snaps doing it. Josiah DeGuara also had a close to a 70, but that was it. Otherwise, Zach Tom with his 66 was the best, the lowest being Tucker Craft, John Runyon, Rasheed Walker. Anyways, let's take our first break here. We'll come back, we'll look at the defense, and then we'll uh, wrap up with looking at a few other things around the, you know, around the world. Uh, if you wouldn't mind checking out patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddies where you can support the podcast would be greatly appreciated. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Start with the negative, because I want to brag on the positive a little bit. Um, as far as sub-50, there were just two that were terrible, which is shocking to me, and honestly, one of these I want to just throw in the garbage. In fact, maybe even both of them I think are bullcrap. Preston Smith, <laughs> who I thought had by far his best day, had a 47, 43.7 grade. But do you know why? It's because he had a 25.5 coverage grade on his four snaps, which PFF... Can we be honest about something for a second? He had 43 snaps and four of them were in coverage, and you're going to allow that to dictate his entire... He had a 71 run defense grade, a 74 tackling grade, and a 65 and a half pass rush grade with four pressures and a sack on just 26 attempts. I'm sorry. that's a The way they structure their grades kind of piss me off sometimes. First of all, the fact that some guy can have an elite pass blocking grade and a subpar run blocking, and they'll be like, oh, well, that sucks. No, it doesn't, because I don't give a crap. Elite pass blocking is everything. Why is run blocking weighted so highly? Shouldn't be. And then you look at this crap, which is so stupid. He had a good day. I don't care what they have to say. Yes, coverage sucked. I don't expect him to be able to cover. The fact that he's in coverage is not his fault. It's a schematic problem. Yes, three tar uh, three targets, two receptions, 29 yards. That's what he did in coverage. Whoop-de-frickin'-do. He was solid against the run. He was dominant in pass rush, which I've been begging for. PFF can screw themselves on this one because that was awesome. The other one was Quay Walker. I really enjoyed Quay, and it's identical. Almost a 70 run defense grade, a 77 tackling grade, 55 pass rush, don't really care, and a 29 coverage grade. Now, that is important, but it was just seven snaps. We're talking two targets, two receptions, 32 yards. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I was happy to see the aggression in the run game, the ability to attack and get downfield and make some plays. I was happy to see it. I'm happy with Quay. 
This is the probably the first time we've had two really bad grades in both of them. I'm just giving the middle finger to PFF because I enjoyed what they did. Maybe the coverage was terrible, but you're talking two two plays, two receptions for 32 yards. I don't give a crap. I don't care. And yeah, it matters because he only played 17 snaps, I guess. But I don't. I just I don't care. The other negatives were Kenny Clark, which again I don't fully understand. I mean, he did have just two pressures on 26 attempts, which is suboptimal. One of them was a big sack, which is great. He also had a solid tackling grade and a mediocre run defense grade. I don't hate it. I guess his grade was just a 52 overall. And yeah, you wish for a little bit better kind of across the board, I guess, but I'm not super mad about it. Uh, at 56 grade, the only other sub-60 was Keyshawn Nixon. And yeah, I'm, I I hate that he missed that pick. That was just tailor-made for him. But I also thought, aside from that, this is one of the few games where he actually looked good. He was coming up and making plays, making tackles and everything else. So I'm not even really mad at him, to be honest. I don't know why. I'm just an, an apologist for the defense today. But it's just, it's my honest observation. I, I I can't really think of anybody that I looked at and I'm like, you're a piece of crap, dude. Like, I'm just, I can't stand you. I, again, the, the, the Nixon thing sucked. And, and you know I'm not a huge Nixon fan to begin with on defense, but aside from that, I thought he had a decent enough day. Otherwise, we got average from Carl Brooks at 60, Darnell Savage, Isaiah McDuffie, Colby Wooden, and then 61 from Dallin Levitt, 63 for Jair, which, I mean, he needs to step it up a little bit too. Not that anything was terrible. It was mostly run defense, and I think we all remember the play where run defense was a problem. Where it's like, come on, dude. Granted, you were expecting Jair to set an edge for some stupid reason, but uh, whatever, he didn't. TJ Slayton at 64, Jonathan Owens at 65, Eric Wilson at 67. Then we start getting up near the pretty good range. Devontae Wyatt with a 68. He had, well, we'll get into the stats later, I guess, but Lucas Van Ness with a 69. Kingsley with a 70, Rashawn Gary with a 71, Rudy Ford with a 75, and Razul Douglas with another uh, excuse me, Razul with a with a 90.9. I don't think he had another one this year, but he's been phenomenal pretty much all year. And Rudy Ford stays high, which is great because, again, sometimes he's way up there, sometimes he's way down. But his first two games, 52-55, not great. Since then, 88-73-75. That's three dominant games in a row. You know how I feel about late-round guys. Probably not going to be a thing. Maybe it's kind of a flash in the pan, but we might have a safety in Rudy Ford. I mean, he is a phenomenal tackler. The, the, I mean, since week one, his tackling grades have been 85, 85, 86, 83. His coverage grades the last three weeks, 81, 78, and 70. He's, two out of the last three games have also been solid in run defense as well. 18 targets, just eight receptions, 85 yards, one touchdown, two picks, two pass breakups, 37.7 passer rating when targeted. I'm just saying, man. And Rudy had a 75 PFF grade last year. And again, it was mostly on the back of like some... F- I don't even want to say fluky, but like really good games mixed in with some bad games. But still, you you get that high of a grade, and then this year you sh- show that again and some consistency. I'm not mad at it, man. I'm not mad at it. But uh, run defense grades, again, nothing terrible. Just Jair with the one bad. Otherwise, Kenny Clark had the lowest with a 58-3, which is basically average. Most of the team was average, but you got... Quay at a 68, Kingsley at about a 70, Savage at a 70, Preston 71, Rudy 72, Razul 73, Eric Wilson 74. Tackling was solid across the board. The lowest was a 62 by Savage, which is not bad. Basically, nobody was given a good pass rush grade except Devontae Wyatt with a 71. The bad grades would be Quay 55, Isaiah 54, Slayton 53, Lucas Van Ness with a 52. He had zero pressures on 11 attempts, which is obviously not great. And Carl Brooks with a 52. 
Coverage, two terrible grades again, Quay and Preston. And then Keyshawn was bad at 53, Wilson 55. Otherwise, it's straight up from there. The good grades, Rudy Ford 69, Lucas Van Ness 76.8, which just is annoying that that's even a thing, but, you know, whatever. And then Rizula with his 91. Statistics, we had 17 pressures on the day, um, starting with some of the bad. Again, Lucas Van Ness 0 on 11, Quay 0 on 3, Carl Brooks 0 for 11. Um, and then just a couple others with some minor things here. Eric Wilson was one for four, which is fine. Slayton one for 15 is suboptimal. Isaiah McDuffie one for three. Kingsley and Igbare one for 10 right at 10%, but one of those was a sack, so solid. Colby Wooden one for nine, about what you would expect. Kenny Clark two for 26, a little less than you'd want, but again, a sack kind of makes up for that a little bit. Rashawn Gary, 3 of 19. Devontae Wyatt, 3 of 19. These two guys, again, with their limited opportunities, are incredible as pass rushers right now. Again, that's 16%. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not 30 like Rashawn's been doing, but 16% is incredible. On the season right now, Rashawn Gary has 20 pressures and 5 sacks on 78 attempts. He's still at 26%, his pressure rate. He has a 6.4% sack rate. you got to understand, there are guys who don't even pressure the quarterback on 6.4% of, the, uh, of their snaps. In fact, I don't think Slayton is even there. Maybe he is, I don't know. Rashawn Gary is sacking quarterbacks at 6.4%. That's stupid high. And Devontae Wyatt right now is at 17.7%. That's really, really good. That's elite caliber stuff. And he's been doing that every single week with the exception of New Orleans, and that was one pressure on 14 attempts, which is still fine. I mean, you're looking for somewhere between one and two, and he got one. But 17.7% for Devontae Wyatt. And it's like, well, he's a terrible run defender. Well, he had two bad games as a run defender. He had three solid games. A 71.6, a 69.7, and a 58.3, which is dead average. He's not an elite run defender by any stretch of the imagination, but he had two bad games as a run defender and is one of the best pass rushers on the interior right now. He's just, I don't know why people hate him, but they just do. And then the uh, leader of the pack was Preston Smith, four pressures on 26 attempts. He did have the most opportunities, but he made the most of those opportunities, and he needed it because, um, I mean, he started off pretty solid, three pressures on 21 attempts, three pressures on 28 attempts, then he had zero on 26, one on 21, and now has four for 26. He's at 11 of 122. He's still sub 10%. So even after that big performance, he's still below where he should be. But he needed that game pretty desperately, and we need to see more of that from Preston for sure. It can't all be Rashawn. We need Wyatt. We need Kenny. And we're getting it, right? Kenny didn't even have the best pass rush day on a consistent basis. He still came up with that clutch sack. And it always seems like it's on the first drive, doesn't it? Kenny at the beginning of the game is a monster. He just seems to fade after a while. And I think Rashawn is a little bit later game. He needs to get warmed up a little bit. So, you know, get some other guys mixed in. We got Brooks and Wooden once in a while popping up, but we just, we got to keep it up, man. Good game from Preston. Don't care what anybody says. Uh, looking at stops. Again, that's a negative play for the offense. Rudy Ford, three. Kenny Clark, three. Preston Smart, uh, Smith, three. They led the team. There were 24 total stops. Some of the coverage statistics. The most targeted was Keyshawn Nixon. Seven targets, five receptions, 28 yards. I can't be super mad at that. Eric Wilson. Had five targets, five receptions, 28 yards. You hate that all of them were caught, but again, just 28 yards. It's not the end of the world, especially with no touchdowns given up. Rudy Ford, four targets, three receptions, 27 yards. He did give up a touchdown, which hurts, but he got it back with a pick, so you can't be mad at it. 
Razul Douglas, four targets, two receptions, 11 yards, and two pass breakups. I mean, that's about as good as you can expect. Um, just four targets. And the two that were caught were only for 11 yards. The two that weren't were a pass breakup. And the only two pass breakups in the game, I mean, unless you consider an interception a pass breakup, I guess. Preston Smith, three targets, two receptions, 29 yards. Quay Walker, two targets, two receptions, 32 yards. Isaiah McDuffie, two targets, two receptions, 32 yards. Jair Alexander, one target, one reception, 16 yards. He didn't grade out great, but I don't know what he could have possibly done better. I mean, I know he slipped on one of the one of the drives. They showed the replay. But again, for, for whatever reason, maybe it's an inept offense that just didn't see the open guys or whatever the case may be. I can't be mad at Jair Alexander for being the least targeted and only giving up one reception for 16 yards with one yard after the catch. He was brought down immediately. No touchdowns given up. Um, no pass breakups, but again, he had one opportunity. He basically shut down wherever wherever he was. And from what I can tell, it looked like a lot of the time it was, um, I mean, I know sometimes he was manned up on uh, Devontae, so that's obviously a positive for Jair. And then a lot of the other times I saw when there was doubles, it was Jair to one side, kind of doubled to the other side. I'm sure Jair had help with Devontae a couple times, but again, I can't, I can't ask for more. Statistically, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Um, I think sometimes the grades maybe tell you looking forward, how confident you should be. Um, but for now, for this game, no complaints. All right, let's take one more quick break. And then again, I just want to kind of get our bearings for where we're at using some other metrics. And we will leave it at that. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. So first of all, one of the things that we had looked at is how unusual where Jordan Love was, right? When you look at CPOE and EPA per play, there's this weird he's in his own little territory on the top left really low cpoe really high epa per play and i said if if you know he just drops straight down he's one of the worst in football if he runs straight across in other words the completions come up he's one of the best if you look at the chart right now jordan love i mean obviously you don't have to assume that this is the most important thing in the world but his epa per play has dropped below average it went from like second highest to below average and he is the second lowest cpoe ahead of just anthony richardson very clearly based on this chart if you were to use this as a metric of of just judging quarterbacks overall he's the second worst quarterback ahead of only anthony richardson right now again you don't have to look at cpoe as the most important thing in the world you could look at success rate in which case he's still below average in both categories but is more you know bottom middle but either way i mean it it there is a, a clear picture that is being drawn right now of Jordan Love, and that is of, at best, a below-average quarterback. Now, I'm not officially stamping anything. Things can turn around, and I think with some offensive help, a little bit of better blocking, a little bit of better scheming, you know, maybe we can see this turn around. But I, I just want to be very clear about where we're at right now. It's pretty bad. Uh, looking at NFL ELO, NFELO, NFLO, NFELO, whatever, they have several different rating scales for teams. Um, they currently have the Packers 21st. If you look at points four, the Packers are at 12th, which is not the worst, but again, it's it's really being propped up based on how we started the season. If you look at um, points against, Packers rank 20th. If you're looking at point differential, the Packers currently rank 18th. Offensive EPA per play, something the Packers did rank really, really high in. They currently have a negative EPA per play and rank 17th. Passing EPA per play is still above average, but barely. It's 0 
and it ranks 14th. That was, again, that was like number one or number two at one point. Rushing EPA per play is negative 0.07, but is actually 10th. So it's not working, but most running plays are, are negative. In fact, there's only five teams that have a positive EPA per play when running the football. Ravens, Eagles, Rams, Dolphins, Seahawks. Defensive EPA per play. The, the, the rankings are back, backwards, but the Packers rank 15th worst, which is to say, I guess, 17th. Pass defense, they're 20th worst, so what is that, 12th? And then run defense, they are the 8th worst defense. The net EPA per play, this is EPA offensive and defensive. The Green Bay Packers are negative 0.01, basically a, a dead average team, but slightly to the negative, and ranks 17th. And again, you look at it and say, well, that's, that's not bad, it's average, it's dead, dead, dead. The biggest issue, though, is this is all highly skewed based on how we started the season. Now, if you look at it and you want to say, listen, we're in a rough patch and there's some weird stuff going on with the offensive line, and if we get that figured out and we kind of get the kinks worked out and get Aaron Jones back and blah, 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 then we're back after it. And that's fine. That's cool. I'm just saying we're 17th right now, but the way we've been playing the last, like, three games, significantly worse. And this is where you've got um, the EPA tiers. If you look at defensive EPA per play and offensive EPA per play, it's kind of broke down into tiers. They've got best since 09, San Francisco 49ers, Buffalo Bills, uh, the Dolphins, the Chiefs are kind of in that range. Super Bowl contenders, you got, you know, again, the Chiefs are still there. Um, maybe that's actually after this line, so you'd have Chiefs, Dolphins, whatever. Uh, playoff contenders, Dallas, Baltimore, Da, da, da. Anyways, the, the the Packers are down here in the median. They're with the Vikings, they're with the Titans, they're with the Jaguars. Then if we look at Green Bay, uh, just looking at what they've done. I mentioned before the Green Bay Packers were a team that was similar to, you know, the 2009 team, the 2010 team, whatever. As of right now, offensive EPA per play, they are the worst team that has ever been in Green Bay since this whole EPA thing started. What is the oldest one here? 2009 right there. Looks like 2000, since 2009, this is the worst offense with the offensive EPA per play being as low as it is. Defense, it's kind of middle of the pack. The closest seasons we have right now, the, the closest season is 2015 to the season that we're at. It's basically 2017 with a better defense. It's 2015 with a worse defense and a worse offense. Slightly. Right now, if you look at the Vegas win totals, they have the Packers at seven and a half wins. That's the same for the adjusted win total, seven and a half wins. I I hope we can get there. Uh, again, the way that they've been playing, if that doesn't improve, we're not getting seven wins. There's no way. And then as far as strength of schedule for the remaining schedule, the Packers have the 23rd easiest schedule that is remaining. So, uh, you know, again, no real reason to um, not be able to... to turn this thing around and, and figure it out, you know? So, you know, I mean, it really just depends if you're more of a glass half full, glass half empty kind of person. Um, again, the, the biggest negative for me is just the trend. You know, if, if it was a little bit more of like just either random or obviously heading in a more positive direction, there would be reason for more optimism, even with the exact same overall results. The thing that scares me is just the thought that maybe what we saw early was a little bit of a fluke, and now we're starting to see what's maybe a little bit more real. But you don't have to assume that. You could easily assume something else. 
you know, things are going to get better and uh, we'll start to see a little bit more of what we saw against the Bears. Maybe after the bye, you know, figure it out. I don't know. The defense seems to be improving a little bit. Andres is still doing fine. The special teams will continue to improve. You know, whatever. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, you, you, you kind of really stretching. I'm finding myself really having to stretch to, to see some of the positives here. And right now, as I look ahead to Packers-Broncos, and this is subject to change, but the Packers right now are just one-and-a-half-point favorites against the one-and-four Denver Broncos. One-and-a-half-point favorites. It just goes to tell you the confidence in the Packers right now. Um, I mean, just general stats. Uh, Packers rank 14th in points, 28th in yards on offense, 18th in points allowed, 17th in yards allowed. They are 19th in net yards per attempt. Passing, 7th net yards per attempt on defense, 26th in rushing yards per attempt, 20th in rushing yards given up per attempt. Percentage of drives ending in an offensive turnover, the Packers rank 28th, 10.7% of their drives end in a turnover. Packers defense ranks 19th in that same metric. Percentage of drives ending in a score, our offense is 18th, our defense is 12th. If you look at um, time, average drive time, our offense is 29th. You know why? Three and outs. Our defense is 26th because they cannot get off the field. Plays per drive, we rank 30th with just 5.27. Our defense ranks 28th. Yards per drive, we rank 26th. Our defense ranks 21st. This is the thing that's really painful is this dry, these drive statistics. Our offense just cannot sustain drives and our defense can't get def- offenses off the field. Average points scored per drive, our offense ranks 14th. Our defense ranks 20th. And our point differential right now is exactly zero. We've scored 113 points, and we've given up 113 points. If you want the most optimistic take, in 2010, we started the season 3-3 three and three and had a uh, point differential through five games of negative three. It's the best I can do for you. <laughs> it was a bad start to that season. Defense woke up around week eight. The offense woke up around week nine. And the rest is history. So a lot of ball game left. We'll see what happens. But, you know, it just it's just a matter of looking where we're at right now. And it's it's obviously fairly ugly. But, you know, we're, we're in the best possible situation, all things considered, with a bye week coming up. You know, we get Aaron Jones back healthy. Hopefully we get everybody back as healthy as is possible. We stop with this snap count nonsense with Rashawn Gary and whoever else is on a pitch count. Um and then the, the, the coaches got to get in the lab, man. They got to figure it out because we need to come out and beat Denver. I mean, I, I, I want to say bludgeon Denver, but at the very least, we got to just win <laughs> flat out, you know. Um, we got some very, very winnable games here. Raiders were one of them. That one already is, is done, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Got to figure something out because it's pretty brutal right now. But I'm going to leave you guys with that. You have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.